So I thought last week was the last week of our Upside Down Kingdom, but the Lord had one more, uh, and this will actually be, well, I guess I said that last week too, so uh, depending on the Lord, this will be the last uh, Upside Down Kingdom message. And I think the reason that um, I went this route and as I was praying and seeking the Lord and what he placed on my heart was, was that I kind of left it uh, unended. I kind of left it open and it kind of to a place where you might get the idea that if you believe in Jesus, it's going to be terrible the end, right? Because we did several messages. We did three. We did richer or poorer. We did uh, fame or lame, and we did right or wrong. And in all three, what I basically tried to show you from the scriptures was that Jesus Christ and the things that he taught is absolutely countercultural to the world. And as you enter into a, the way of life that Christ is bringing you into, is that you are going to live a life that is countercultural to what the world teaches. And as you do so, you are going to become an outcast in the world. Amen? Uh, you need to make a decision. Or are you, are, you wanting the, uh, are you wanting the praises of the people? Or are you wanting to praise the Lord? Are you wanting to have your uh, pleasure and your purpose here that will last for only a short time and then it will be gone? Or do you want to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where no one can break in and get to it and where moth can't destroy? In other words... Do you want to experience a little bit of immediate gratification? Or can you be patient and wait for the eternal gratification and glorification that comes with dying with Christ and being raised with Him as well? We said that a believer doesn't get his identity here or her identity here, but they are to find their identity in the Lord Jesus Christ, even if that means it costs them everything here and they are counted as nothing here. Which Paul said, that's fine by me to live as Christ and to die as gain. You see, we live in a society and a culture that tells us that it's all about me. And it's all about you. And you do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, as long as you are glorified. But there's a big problem with this. And that is, it doesn't line up with what Jesus Christ teaches in his word. So in the end, you see, there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. So what we've been teaching through this whole series is that we need to take a step back and think about the things that we are doing. Think about the decisions that we are making. Think about the reason that we are making the decisions that we are making. Why do you do what you do? Why do you go where you go? What is it that you are getting for what you are doing? And what's the motivation behind what you are doing? Do you consider to live as Christ and to die as gain? Is that true for you? Well, what I want to do today as we finish up the Upside Down Kingdom is, I don't want to leave you on this side of the Upside Down Kingdom and just thinking, well, it will get better, but it's going to be bad here. It's going to be great, but it's going to be horrible here. 
I want to shine a little light into what it means to be a believer in Christ, what it means for you here and what it means for you there. Because though they may be some temporary troubles and trials here, there will also be victory here that extends into there. Please don't think for a second as I teach on the upside down kingdom and as I preach that you will be hated and reviled here, that that means that it will be all ho-hum and horrible here. Because it doesn't have to be that way here. Now, there will be some trials, and there will be some tribulation. There will be some persecution. But I want to tell you right now, Paul said that I've had a lot and I've had a little. I've been in health, and I've been beaten. And in all, I'm okay. How can it be then that though the world hates you and reviles you and excludes you and separates you out and makes you look like the one that's at fault when you're not at fault, you're just trying to follow the leading of the Lord Jesus Christ, how then can it be that we can look at that situation and be, I'm okay? Because of, I'll at least do it like this. It's not just because of one word, but it can be wrapped up in one word. Blessed. Blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? That's what we're going to look at today. The blessed man. The blessed woman, if you want to be politically correct. Although, men, if you go into the ladies' bathroom here, I myself will drag your tail out. By the hair of your head. And commence to pummeling you. I ain't always been a preacher, all right? And I ain't even kidding. <laughs> the blessed man. Oh, turn over in your Bibles with me to, to Psalm 1. How many of y'all say amen to that one? What in the world is wrong with our world? Right? What is, okay, we ain't even going to go down that road, but this is just, ooh, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. The end is, the end is here. I don't know. Psalm 1, let's look into Psalm 1. I want to look at the first, uh, really only the first four verses, five, six, there's only six verses in the whole chapter, so we might look in a couple of that, but one through four is what I want to focus on, and we'll look a little bit at five. But before, I want you to turn over to Psalm 1, and I want you to hold that place there for just a second, but then I want to flip back over to Matthew chapter 5. We could go to, this is really a parallel in the Gospels to uh, Luke chapter 6, which we were looking at. But look at Matthew chapter 5. And I want to show you something here in Matthew chapter 5. Now hold both of those places. In Matthew chapter 5, it says this starting in verse 1. Now I want you to listen to these things because this is the teaching on the upside down kingdom. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And I didn't go real deep in the Sermon on the Mount. But I want you to listen to some of these things that are being said here. And, and think about some of the things that we've been teaching here at the church. Now listen to this starting in verse 2 of, of Matthew chapter 5. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive 
mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who persecute, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, as I count it, I see uh, 11 times that he says blessed, and one time at the end in 12 where he says rejoice and be glad. So now here as believers for the past three weeks, you might have come in here and just got gut punched. Go ahead and accept that they're going to hate you. Go ahead and accept that you have nothing here of any value. Go ahead and accept it. You're wrong all the time. <laughs> but we come back around here and say, you're going to be hated. You're wrong all the time. You're going to be poor here. But not there. And you may be poor here. And they may hate you here. But it's not going to break you. They can't get to you. They can't touch you. They can't take away what God has given. They can't hold a candle to the light that's been shed in your life. Blessed are those who love God. Now, I just want to, I don't want to spend a lot of time there. I want to take this word blessed and I want to go and look at what it means to be blessed. I want to go and look at what it means to live a blessed life as you have faith in God and as you have faith in Jesus Christ because what Paul is saying and what the Bible teaches is very clear. Now, some people take the, uh, the blessings to the extreme and they say, well, if you love God and if you have faith, then you will be rich. You'll never get sick and on and on and so forth. But we've discounted that in the past is that it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes God uses these things in your life and he allows these troubles and these trials to, to come and it says, the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Sometimes life happens. Now we know God is sovereign and he, he conforms all, to, he does everything that he wants to do. No one looks at him and says, what have you done? But we know also that God is working all things together for the greater good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Right? So we know that hard times do come. Sickness comes. Why? Not because God says, I want you to be sick. No, that's silliness. But because sin in the world has its effects on men. And sometimes when sin comes into the world and sin comes into your life, we have these things that we have to deal with. It brings death. It brings sickness. It brings pain. It brings trouble. It brings sadness. It brings all of these things. But God is looking at it going, yeah, they meant it for evil, but I'm meaning it for good. And if you can hold on till you squirt out the other side, you'll see that I've got victory in this battle. 
I've got, I've got something bright that's coming on the other side of this darkness. You see, and we can trust those promises. We can hold on to what God has said because he cannot lie. He cannot lie. Psalm chapter 1 has been one of my favorites for a long time. Let's look over there. So now we see that blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed, 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 blessed are those who have all types of trouble here. For they know that Christ has secured for them what they need in order to be who God's called them to be. Now, I want to tell you, too, though, that here on earth, as we live for Christ and as we give our life to Christ, Christ provides everything that we need. You can trust him. You see, you may think that your need now may be up here, and Christ says, actually, when you're up there, you're in trouble. So you need to come on back down here. Amen, Mark? Some of y'all can't handle being rich, so you're going to be broke. And this is a protective measure of you. Some of y'all really cannot handle having people think well of you because you fall into pride. So God allowed you to be an idiot. Some of you, you can't handle great health. You do all kind of bad things with it. You see, Paul, he had this thorn, and this is not even in here. Maybe I'll look at these today. But Paul, he had this thorn in his flesh. He had this thing, this, this thing that was just grating on him all the time. Ugh. He carried it. It seemed like in his, in his letter, it seemed like he's just carrying this thing around. Now, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So what is this? Now, did Jesus say, well, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, that everything's going to be peaches and cream for you from now on? If he did, he was lying. And can God lie? No. So there was some type of other something there. Paul seems to be carrying this thing around, but as we read that scripture, we see that it was the Lord who sent a what? A harmful spirit to Paul. Why? Because of the special revelation that he had received so that what? He would stay humble. It was God that punched you in the eye. It was God that knocked you off your high horse. The devil's after me today. No, God's after you today. Because he knows what you need. You see, you have a good, good father. And sometimes the most loving thing that I can do to my son is rebuke him. Sometimes the most loving thing I can do is grab him up. Now, for me, it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. I'm serious. See, I told Heather on the way home from the prom, went to the prom last night. But I didn't get jiggy with it. I would have, but Heather, you know, she's not a jiggy with it type of girl. So every time she turned around, I was like, mm-hmm. and then she'd turn back around and be like, Me and my, now this is a little squirrel here, but me and my buddy, I won't even go down that road. Oh, we were coming back last night from the prom, and I told Heather, the Lord just, I guess because I was about to preach this message today. I don't know about you, 
but I live out the, the messages I preach. Man, I preached on fame or lame. I've been lame the last couple of weeks, right? I preached on ritual. Oh, it's getting hard. It's getting hard. How many of you, you read a Bible verse, you tell, you tell a friend something, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Coming to get ya. We were, we were riding home last night, and I, I looked, the Lord just convicted my heart. I told Heather, I was like, man, please pray for me. And you know, we say, don't we say that all the time? We say that all the time. Please pray for me. But I told her, I was like, please pray for me. And I told her, after, right, I mean, like one second after I was like, and I really mean, like, actually pray for me. Think about it and pray for me that I would have more patience with my boys. How many of us, we don't have any patience with anybody? We just throw them under the bus immediately. We just, we jump all over. And we're fussing, we're rapping, we're complaining. all the time. But all, you know, all you're doing is forgetting what God did for you. How many times has God just said, look, get up, son. I got you. You know, we talked about wiping them dirty booties, you know, changing dirty diapers. God's doing it for us all the time. You see, God loves you. And God wants to lead you to the place you are being conformed. Let's, I wasn't planning on doing that. Let's go over there right quick to Romans chapter 8. Because a lot of people, they use that verse in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 31. I'm sorry. Here we go. Wrong chapter. Romans 8, 28, but, but they, they, for, they forget the ones right after. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now, we, we love that part. We love that part that says God is sovereign, and he is going to use everything for your good. But what we want to do with that is, is that we want him to do Good in what we think is good. So we have an idea of what good is. Good would be a better job. Good would be better money. Good would be uh, beautiful kids. Good would be a nicer car. Good would be a nicer house. And we obligate God through the word to do what we think is good. And when he don't do what we think is good, we say, you're not a good God. Maybe not with our words, but with our actions, don't, right? You got fired from your job. <laughs> All things work together. Right? But what does he say? He said, for God is working together all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined what? To be conformed to the image of the Son. What's the good? Is the good for you to have a nice ride? Is the good for you to have a nice house or to have perfect health? Is the good for you to, to have everything easy in life? That's what the world would tell you. But God has said the good is for you to be conformed to the image of the Son. And sometimes for you to be conformed to the image of the Son, I need to do some stuff that you ain't going to like. You're too proud, I'm going to break you. You can't handle money, I'm going to break you. You can't handle acknowledgement, I'm going to make you less. And when the Bible says, for those, those who are faithful with a little, he will trust with a lot, 
right? And so it's not like if I do all the right things, then the Lord will bless me and I will have a big mansion on the hill and people will think very highly of me. No, 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 no. It is if I am trustworthy with a little and I can give it all away, then he knows he can trust me to give a lot away. If I'm very good with just a little bit, I'm going to get a lot. Not because I need a lot, but because he can trust me to do what needs to be done with it. You want to be blessed by the Lord? Don't just do everything right so that you can get the money. So that you can get the blessing. You see, the blessing is not the blessing. God is the blessing. Do you do what you do to get what God's got? Or do you do what you do because you've gotten God? Let's turn back over to Psalm 1. It is getting hot in here. Psalm 1 blesses a man who does not walk in the ways of the wicked. Okay? Or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. For his delight is in the law of the Lord. Right? And he meditates on it day and night. And everything he does, listen to this. He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by Streams of water, who bears its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. In everything he does, he prospers. Succeeds. Now, is the Bible contradicting itself here? That those who love God are going to be abandoned, hurting, here, almost hopeless here, but they're just holding on to Christ. Lord, save me and get me out of this place. Is that the kind of life that Christ would have us to live? Is that what it means? Is that what the upside down kingdom means? Is that what it means when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, that we would just be laying in the floor waiting on the end times? Lord, save me. This world is wicked. I don't think so either. Sometimes, I think, sometimes when we're at the very bottom, you know, and the Lord's had to take us right to the edge. Sometimes the Lord will take you right to the edge. To remind you, God, I have him. But I don't think that that's necessarily what it means. I think that blessed and to be a child of God means that I think it means that you are filled up full to the degree that you don't need anything here. That is the key. That is the key. Do you need this world? See, if you need this world and you're a child of God, then God will not let you have this world. He will not let you have anything in this world because he knows you can't handle it. Because if you need the things in this world and you're not filled up full of Christ, then you've got a lot, of, a lot of growth to do in order to be able to handle the things of this world and use them for God's glory. Does this make sense? You see, because if you're still of the world, if you're still longing for the world and pining for the world, if you still need the world to fill you up, then if the Lord lets you have some world, then you're going to be over here with the world going, ah, pray. 
And God's like, man. You know, it's like I tell Asher he can have a marshmallow. Well, Asher's three, and he doesn't realize we can't eat marshmallows for supper. So if I let Asher have a marshmallow, and he sees where I put the marshmallows, he can't handle the truth. You know, he likes the, that popcorn, the white popcorn, the white cheddar popcorn. Isn't it good? Right? Came in the other night, he's got the popcorn, his hands full of it going... Who went in his mouth ate it in the house? Popcorn everywhere. He's not responsible enough to handle all of these things. You need to understand how to operate in the world. And you need to understand what it is to be fulfilled in Christ. You see, to be broken... And to be poor in spirit, to be hungry and thirsty here, it's not that you would literally be like, you know, anorexic and, you know, just, oh, I'm about to die, feel bad for me. No. It's false humility. It's, a, it's an ugly cousin to pride. It's that you would hunger and thirst for righteousness. Have the whole verse, okay? Let's use the whole verse. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, meaning that, it doesn't mean that you don't have any spirit. It just means that, 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 that you are broke. You know that you've got to have God. It means that you're broken and that you need the Lord. You don't need the things here. You need the Lord. How many of you need the Lord? I've had so many interactions. And, and myself, I look in the mirror. And I know you need. I look in the mirror and I say, you need too much stuff here on earth. Why do I worry about my job? Why do I worry about my bills? Why do I worry about a car breaking down? Why do I worry about it? What is worry? What is worry? It's a mistrust of God that he actually doesn't have it in control. That's all worry is. Worry is this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And God has said, I know the beginning from the end. I planned it all. When you sit down, and when I sit down and we go, Lord, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. You might as well look at God and say, I'm not sure you're able. I know you said this, but. I know your word says, but. I got a lot of, I got a lot to work on. That's my prayer for this church. That's what we're just talking about. It's my prayer for this church. It's my prayer for me. Been through a lot in my life. You've been through a lot in your life. What does it all matter? What matters more than right now? You see where our world's going. I'm just sick of playing church. I want to see walking around in the community. I want to see your face. And I don't want to think, oh, there's somebody that goes to well. I want to look and I want to see there's a powerful woman of God right there that moves mountains.
Jesus because she believes God. I want to see a man walking through the community. I want to think right there is a man of God that moves mountains. When that man walks into the room, people says, pay attention. Not because he's something. See, we know he's not anything. He knows he's nothing. But he carries the presence of the Lord with him. We got to turn our focus, people. Me too. We got to turn our focus. Spend too much time worrying about making money and getting cool shoes and the latest video games, some dubs on our ride. I don't have dubs on my ride, but some of you do. I don't know. The whale's full of kind of broke people, so <laughs> y'all might not be rolling on doves. <laughs> if you tie the dove, you might, like if you gave, you could give 25%. If you put the donut on, you'd be riding like this down the road. My question is this, where are you at? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the ways of the wicked. Walk in the counsel of the wicked. I had my plan was to break all these verses down today. I've about run out of time, but let's just go where the Lord wants us to go. Uh, let's, let's do this. Uh, you... You and I, we're stupid people. Told you. <laughs> well, the reason I say that is it's actually true. We, uh, we most of the time, now there's some wise people in the room, but, but for the most part, we have a really hard time seeing past like right here, don't we? I mean, I do. You know, I do. I think I love Jesus, you know, and, and I try to live my life according to the word. But it gets so hard sometimes because I'm so short-sighted. You know, I do have like big dreams and aspirations. I have a vision for the church. I have a vision for my life. But a lot of the times I'll go to implement that vision or that plan for my life. And, and I try my best to, to base it on God's word. I try to base it on what I feel like God is doing, but oftentimes, either my, I myself get in front of it and I hinder it, or Satan does it, or one of his minions, or whatever, I, I don't really know what particular, there's so many things that attack us and draw us away, right, but, but I have good plans, I think many of you have good plans, you know, some of you don't, some of you, you've got a lot of work to do, some of us, I do something. But I think a lot of the times what happens is, is that we have good plans, but we're so short-sighted that we go to implement them, and then whoop, left turn, whoop, right turn. We as a people, as a culture, are, we have the shortest, the shortest attention span in the history of the world. You know, there's a study out right now that, you know, if you're a church planner, they send you these things, and all of this information, all of these facts, and it says... The attention span 25 years ago was 30 minutes. 
And so as I began to preach and as we were looking to plant the church, we looked at all this research and all these things, and everybody's like, you can't preach any longer than 30 minutes, or they're, they turn into Chewbacca. How's it go? Uh, we're so short-sighted. Now, I know that that's, uh, uh, that's a worldly thing. Because in the scriptures, we see oftentimes that, that when the word of God was opened and the, and the spirit of the Lord was moving, they would preach for hours or days. When they found the scroll in the Old Testament and they started reading the scrolls, they didn't stop until it was done. Now, we know that it can be dangerous, too, because in Acts, Paul's preaching, and it says, as he went on even still longer, a boy fell out of a three-story window and died. But thank God that the power of the word, Paul went down, scooped him up, said, he's all right, and he woke up. So if any of y'all fall out on me, I'm coming, I'll help you out. You see, we've got such a small uh, window of, 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 of attention. We are so short-sighted that we start to go after the Lord. We start to do these things, but then we take a right turn. What is it that we need to do, guys? We've got to take a step back from the world. We've got to take a step back from the things that we think is important, and we've got to turn, and we've got to seek wise counsel. One verse today. Someone Blessed is the man who does, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. How many of you, when you get in trouble, when you get to a place in life and you need a little bit of advice, when you get to a place and you've got some questions, how many of you ask everybody around you and you ask the world what they should do and you fail to ask those who you know are most versed in the word of God? Those who you know are leaders at the church or, or lay people at the church, but they have much wisdom and they love Jesus. How many of you walk in the counsel of the wicked, meaning that you walk out your life taking advice from everybody that's influenced by the world? You'll ask your boss at work, you'll ask this person, you'll ask that person, and when something goes wrong, you wonder why. The ways and the wisdom of the world are foolish. And the things of God are foolish to them. I think a lot of the times it's because we know, we know in our heart what's right and we don't want to hear it. A lot of us who do go to seek wise godly counsel to walk in the counsel of the righteous, which would be the opposite of this, which would be the right thing to do. A lot of us, when we go to seek out wise counsel, we ignore everything that they said, and we justify why it is that we won't take biblical advice. I've gotten a place where my, in my life, and we, this is another thing too. We want to make a distinction between the church and our life. We want to make a distinction. We got Jesus over here, and we got us over here. Jesus is good as long as he stays over here, but don't come over here. You can have this, but you can't have that. Jesus says, I want it all. 
or I'll have none of it. Can we dispel that myth right now? I heard people say, he's walking on both sides of the fence. No, he's not. There is no fence. The Bible says that I wish that you were either hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. You are for Christ or against Christ. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're for Christ, you cannot be defeated. You cannot be overcome. You cannot be overwhelmed. Anything that you put your hand to will prosper. Anything that you put your hand to will succeed as long as you walk in the counsel of the righteous. As long as you stand in the path of the righteous. As long as you sit in the seat of those who are faithful. But if you walk in the counsel of the wicked, if you take advice from the world, if you want to take your own advice in, in ignoring biblical advice, then you plan on it going badly. We've got to stop separating out church and the rest of our life, Christ and the rest of our life. We've got to put it all in one pot. I've got to the place in my life, and, and I'm starting to wrap it up if you guys want to come on up. I've got to the place in my life where I, don't, I really don't trust myself all that much. I have trusted men in my life that when I get to a place of questioning, if I have a conflict and I, ha I could call them up here right now and have them stand on the stage, several of them in this church, men that I trust with my life, I could call them up here and I could stand them in a line and they would testify to the truth that when Brandon Poirier hits a conflict, He's going to get these men and he's going to go to them and he's going to tell them all the rights and all the wrongs. He's going to give them both sides of the story and he's going to look at them and he's going to say, am I wrong? Because I don't trust myself. Because I know I'm partial to me. You trust you. You trust you to rightly judge you. That's foolish. must be subject to our brothers in Christ. We must not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but we must walk in the counsel of the righteous. Who do you have that looks into your life? Who do you have that, that examines your, your actions to see whether or not they're righteous? Who do you have that can look into your checkbook and see where you're spending your money? Oh, I, I tithe, preacher. I, I'm not your judge. You need to get somebody that's helping you walk through that. What should I do right here? What should I do right here? Should I take this job or should I take that job? Should I do this in my life? I'm having a struggle with my husband. I'm having a struggle with my wife. What should I do? Girls, ladies, wives, don't go talking to, you, to your girlfriends at work. Not unless they love Jesus and they'll shoot you straight. Guys, don't go talking to your idiot buddies about what you're doing with your wife. Don't go talking to them. You seek out good godly counsel that'll tell you straight to your face whether you're right or wrong. This'll keep you. See, straight is the path and narrow is the way. We need good godly counsel on both sides like ping pong keeping us right down the path. How many of you, I wonder, in this place, as we all stand to our feet, 
the message today is the blessed man, and, and I might just continue on. I like this. I, I, we might just keep flowing in Psalm 1 next week, but I want to tell you right now that I've spoke a lot on it's going to be difficult in this world, but let me tell you something. I, I only mean, I only mean this. The Bible only teaches that you may suffer hardship as the world sees it. Amen? You may suffer hardship and trial and trouble as the world sees it. But Acts tells me, as the Holy Spirit came in and He started to move in the people, and people started to be saved, and they started to receive the power of the Holy Ghost, it tells me that they were relieved of their obligation, their slavery to worldly things. It tells me that they were freed from their need to have stuff in order to be somebody. It tells me that they were selling their possessions and no one was without. It tells me that they gladly accepted the plunder of their property. Now the world's looking at it going, oh, that's terrible. But they're going... Praise the Lord to live as Christ and to die as gain. Yeah. You may you may get the you may get the foot here on earth. You may get bruised and you may get battered. Can we turn these lights down a little bit? I want I want to just tell you something right now. look to Christ who is the author and perfecter of our faith and we see that the truth of the gospel and the truth of the word is lived out in Christ and we find that I can't do and you can't do what I'm telling you to do in and of yourself because it is Christ who has already done it you see Jesus Christ was the least of these Jesus Christ gave it all Jesus Christ had no place to lay his hand. Jesus Christ did not have enough money to pay his taxes, so he went fishing and got it out of the fish's mouth. You see, Jesus Christ didn't have a wife to comfort him when he laid down at night, and he didn't have a place to lay his head down at night. You see, he was righteous in every way, but he was counted among the wicked and crucified with the sinners. You see, he was the only one worthy of relationship with the Father, but so that we could be brought near, he was cast far off. He was the least of these. You see, Jesus Christ is our example. Jesus Christ is not only our example, but he is our entry into the ability to be able to live out that example. Jesus Christ is not calling you to do something, but he is coming to indwell you, to empower you to be somebody. This world may take it. This world may beat you. This world may do all types of horrible things. You just remember this on the third day, 
rose. Oh, death, where is your sting? church is open. Where you are is open. Do business with the Lord. Let us worship Him. Come. Come. 